message this week, I want to pick up on the prophetic word that I brought last week. And although this word was really brought to us as a church, it's brought to people personally as well. So if you are not part of LifePoint, don't switch off and think, oh, well, it's not for me. Because I believe that none of you are here accidentally. I believe God's called you here today because he wants you to hear this word too. So let me pray. Oh, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Living, active, changing us, revealing more of you to us each time we open its pages. I pray for ongoing revelations to us at Life Point and for the other people here today that we will accept the invitation to come aside to get alone with you and love on you and catch the purposes of your heart. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would always be acceptable to you. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen, amen. And to our visitors that are here this morning, welcome. And um, I'm Jocelyn and I have the awesome privilege of being the leader of this wonderful church called LifePoint. So just to remind you about the prophetic word that i last week and I saw this in picture form. The Lord was knocking at the door of our hearts and he was waiting for our hearts to invite him to come in and share mighty revelations with us. He was saying, I have revelation of love, grace and mercy way beyond what you know now. And for us to receive this revelation will take discipline because the revelation I saw in the vision was coming from within a deep well. It wasn't coming from a spring. Springs bubble up out of the ground and you can just drink from a spring, but a well takes work. You've got to get the bucket and you've got to get the bucket down to the bottom of the well and then you have to pull the bucket up. To, de- to drink from the deep wells of God takes discipline. Um, as we, I've written this down last week so I would remember it, for to, just bear with me a minute. The vision was not a spring but a deep well. To receive this water from this deep well we, was as the presence of the Lord and the weight of his glory as we waited on him, as we got into his presence. His glory, his um, presence, his anointing became the counterweight allowing the bucket to come up to the surface of the well. And as we became more aware and attuned to his presence, the bucket rose from within the well. And when we reached out to pull that bucket over to the side to drink from it, this mighty fountain gushed up from deep down within the well for us to drink of. Now, when we were in worship this morning, I saw the invitation You don't need to drink from the fountain. Why don't you go for more and dive into the fountain? So, wow, that is the invitation to us. It was just 
absolutely incredible to dive into the good things of God, to dive into the presence of God. And God is taking us deeper and deeper into himself. He is He is calling us to put our roots down deeper and deeper into his presence. And we know that because that's been preached here for the last little while. And um, I can't remember if I said last week, I went to church with Debbie and Greg and they had, um, not their pastor, through a whole lot of circumstances, they'd had to call in a pastor from one of their campus churches um, to come and preach and he didn't get the call till late Saturday night and so he had spent time Saturday night seeking the Lord and just hearing from him and saying what what do these people, what do you want to say to these people tomorrow morning and he started his message by saying the Lord wants to take his people deeper. Thank you God. The Holy Spirit is saying the same thing many, many circles. Um, during the week, as I've prayed through and mused over what I saw last Sunday, I realised this was really what Easter Sunday is all about. It's the message of Easter Sunday. Jesus had, because it was Easter Sunday last week, for those of you who have forgotten, Jesus has made a way for us to come into the presence of God and now he invites us to partake of his presence. So Jacob is going to come and read to us from Revelation chapter 3, the letter to the Laodiceans, where Jesus is recorded as saying these words, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Reading from the NIV. Revelation three fourteen to 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline to be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious... I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Just a little background about um, the Laodicean church. This letter is written to the church in Laodicea. So we are talking about believers. This letter has been written to believers. And in fact, we know that they were in Christ because he says he's going to spit them out. And I do love the colourful word in the King James. It says he's going to spew them out of his mouth. For something to be spat or spewed out, it first needs to be in. 
So these people were in Christ. But you know, I love that Jesus didn't just spit them out, wipe them off and say, fed up with you, lukewarm lot of people. No, he gave John the revelation. He gave him the letter to send to them, to warn them, to call them back. His mercy and his grace are so amazing. He called them back. He wooed them. And God told them that he would discipline them because he loved them for their lukewarmness, for their indifference toward him. It is important to notice that God's discipline is not to punish, but to bring people back to himself. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But he will discipline those he loves because he loves us and he doesn't want us getting off track. Just like with the Laodiceans, when we are rebuked and chastised, it's not from his anger, but it's from his grace, his mercy to keep us on track. And I want us to remember that. I want us to remember that when you are under the hand of the Lord's discipline, don't get all antsy, don't make excuses, just thank you God that you love me and you care enough for me to bring correction to me in this situation. We need, you know, so many of us as kids were um, disciplined from an angry person Our Father God is not angry with us. He loves us. He cares for us. There is a day of wrath coming. There is a day for giving account. But right now, we are in the season of grace and mercy. Grace is grace is poured out toward us. This message this morning is not a rebuke, but an invitation. It carries a warning which needs to be heeded But the focus from the word given last Sunday is invitation. The vision is about what God is desiring to do in us if we will receive his invitation. He wants us to go deeper and deeper into him. He wants to reveal more and more of himself to each and every one of us. However, If you have slipped into indifference, if you are not spending quality time in his presence, if you are indeed lukewarm, if you are relying on your own strength, self-righteousness, wealth to protect you, then please heed the warning. Heed the warning. Because this is our side of Calvary, people. Quite often we'll say when we're reading from the New Testament but we're the other side of Calvary, the book of Revelation is written outside of Calvary, so you do need to heed that warning. It's simple, just repent and get back into the Lord's presence. There is a very, very sad passage in Jeremiah chapter 2. It's verse 13, but let's pick it up at verse 9. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Kittim and look 
and look, ascend to Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all, but my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. This is the verse. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The lukewarm people in Laodicea had stopped drinking at the Lord's supply and they had slipped. Before we get all judgmental about this church, we need to remember that these guys were facing really severe and heavy persecution. And God didn't come and say, oh, they're there, it's okay that you're not really hot for me. He says, no, I don't want you lukewarm. I'd rather you were cold instead of just kidding yourself and pretending. Very serious words. We can read this and think, why would anyone do that? Why would anyone who knows and loves the Lord stop drinking from his supply and go to a different supply? But you know what? It's easy. It's easy. On Sunday we sing, there's nothing better than you. And so we should declare that because there is nothing better than the Lord. It's true. But then comes Monday and yes, Lord, look into you. Tuesday by Wednesday, not so much. What happened on Sunday is a bit forgotten and it can be that we get caught up in our own busyness and we're looking at other things and we're starting to drink again. Of course, I am not saying that's what anyone's doing. I'm just saying this is how easy it is to slip and we will go back and we will drink at the wells that we have made for ourselves instead of getting alone with God and drinking with him. I know people who keep going for counselling and aren't getting any better because they need deliverance from demons, not counselling how to live with their demons. They are drinking at man's well, not God's well. Do not hear me saying that counselling is wrong. Please do not hear me saying things this morning that I am not saying. Not all problems though can be counselled away. Some need curses broken and demons expelled and you can get all the counselling you want but unless that happens you will not come in to freedom. If you have been into the occult even just for a bit of fun or if you have been involved in a cult, you need to come for prayer at the end of the service. You have drunk at man's will. Even if it was before you were a Christian, even if it was just for a little bit of fun, come and get prayer and get it broken off your life. I personally know people, Christians, who are in constant crippling pain. They are constantly negative. Not about the pain, but about life itself. Everything is negative. They have an e or anointing. 
Proverbs 17 tells me that a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a crushed spirit drieth the bones. Negativity will crush our spirits. When we drink from the well of negativity, fault finding, etc., then we have dug our own well. We are drinking from our own misery. When we drink from the well of the Lord, our spirit is full of love, joy, peace, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. What well are you drinking at? Again, do not hear me saying that all pain comes from negativity. But if you are in constant pain, check out, is the fruit of your lips from a crushed spirit or is it spirit-filled? Are you drinking from the Lord's well or from your own? I personally know believers who will not forgive but hold on to offences, who live with a victim mentality and they suffer terrible mental torment. Matthew 18 in my Bible says that if we will not forgive, then we will be handed over to the jailers to be tormented. Church, we need to take these scriptures seriously. Do not hear me saying this morning that all mental illness and torment is because of unforgiveness. But could it be possible that you are drinking stagnant water from your own well of a right to be offended? I'm a victim. Instead of drinking at the sweet well of God, forgiving and setting yourself free from the other person's power over your life. Quickly forgive. Ask the Lord to heal your wound and be refreshed and go on with your life and leave behind that which has hurt you. Because in a bit of a news flash, each of us hurts other people. We don't do it intentionally, I hope, but we can do it. While we are struggling to forgive other people, maybe other people are struggling to forgive us. Keep in mind, we need to be forgiven. Forgiving someone who's been belting you up or doing other horrendous things to you does not mean you trust them again, but it means you cut yourself spiritually off from their hold over you and you get rid of that victim mentality that you get from drinking at your own well and you drink from the Lord's well and you drink victory. Let me repeat, do not hear me saying that all mental illness and torment is because of unforgiveness. Where do you drink for refreshment when you are exhausted, either physically or mentally? You know, I know it's easy for me when I'm really emotionally exhausted to go home and pick up my TV remote, flick onto Netflix and watch a movie. There is nothing wrong with watching, well, 
depends what you're watching, of course. We won't go there this morning. But there's nothing wrong with entertaining yourself with a movie or picking up a book or something. But it's why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? If you're doing it to switch off your brain and recharge your batteries, you're drinking at the well of the television. When you go home exhausted, tired, pause and drink at the well of the Lord. The refreshing will be so much sweeter than the mindless junk that we can watch on the TV. I know, speaking from experience. Discipline yourself to drink at God's well. Get into his presence and allow the love to flow back and forwards between you. Then you will quickly be recharged and refreshed. Isaiah 40, 28. Come on, people know this by heart. I don't need to read this out. Oh, okay, obviously I do. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, amen? He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak, amen? Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hallelujah. That's what happens when we drink at the well of the Lord. Now, I could go on and on and on about drinking at our own wells, but that's not what this message is about. However, it is a warning. Check yourself out. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you if you are drinking from springs that are not the Lord's supply. Enough of the warnings. Let's get on to the beautiful promise that God gave us last week. The vision last week was a powerful invite to remember to diary time aside and sit with the Lord in quietness and stillness, not rattling off our list of things we want him to do, but hearing his heart, getting to know him. In our time-poor culture where people are genuinely busy and often tired and stressed out, we need to be reminded to keep the main thing the main thing. And just in case you're wondering, the main thing is getting into the presence of, of the Lord, falling on our faces in worship to him. This invitation takes some processing. God's inviting us to open up the door and allow him to come in. He is God. Wouldn't you think that he would say, come on, you come and knock and bang on my door, and if I feel like it, then you can come in. Surely that's what you would think God would do, not our God, not our God. He says, I'm wooing you, I'm seeking you out, I'm knocking quietly on the door of your heart. It's up to you whether you invite me in to come and sup with me. Jesus wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to open up to him. Thankfully, 
thankfully, he is patient and persistent in trying to get through to us. Not breaking and bashing down the door, but knocking and waiting, allowing us to decide whether or not to open our lives to him. This scripture is often used as a salvation message scripture and it's a good scripture to use and maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus and he's knocking at your heart and he's calling you and he, he's, he's wanting to encourage you and, and bring you into the knowledge of your salvation and your life of living out with the Lord and if that's you this morning then I invite you to come forward at the end of the service and I would love to pray with you to receive Christ into your life but this is the scripture really is speaking to us as believers I stand at the door and knock will you open up he allows us to decide whether or not to open our lives to him and there are consequences to both responses. Choose not to and risk being spat out. Choose to and receive endless revelation of his love, grace and mercy. So how do we do this? We make the choice to put our busyness aside and get into his presence. Turn with me please to Luke chapter 10. Verse 38, well-known passage of scripture. Remember I told you a couple of weeks ago I don't always have the scriptures up on the um, screen because it's good to bring your own Bibles and flick and see what I'm saying is actually what's written. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Worship comes before service. Martha, as the hostess, had a lot on her plate. Jesus, his disciples, and however many other people were travelling along with him, are at her home, and her task is to have a meal um, prepared for them. That's her gift of hospitality that is required in this situation. Now, she can't call up for Uber Eats. She can't order in a pizza. She can't send the servant down to the supermarket to pick up a chicken and some cold meat and some bags of salad. She can't even reheat last night's meal in the microwave. The meal that she has to cook for this crowd starts from scratch. 
Dear me. God, give me strength. And no doubt, Martha was happy in her role. This is what she and Mary had been brought up to. This is what they had been trained to do. This is what the women of the household did. They would be overseeing the needs of their guests. But who knows? Maybe Jesus had intended just doing a miracle and laying out a table of food for them at the end of his message. We don't know. We don't know. But maybe. Who knows? But we do know he showed her that in this case, her priorities were wrong. He wanted her presence, not her service. I am always hesitant to teach a method for spiritual outcomes because people can take what is said and turn it into legalism and then it becomes a duty. And Oh my gosh, what's the time? All oh, right, I just need to sit alone here with the Lord for a while because that's what I have to do. Jocelyn preached about that. We've had a prophetic word. I'll just sit here. And it becomes a duty, not a heart-to-heart um, time with the Lord. So I am going to teach you a method this morning that I find helpful, but don't take it into legalism. So for me, I follow the pattern laid out in Psalm 100, verse 4. Again, most of you will be very, very familiar with this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. When I use this method, for want of a better word, it helps me to transition from busyness. It helps me to quiet my mind. It helps me to still my mind and get my focus of everything I have to do and get into his presence. Because I've told you before, I sit and I think, I'm just going to have a real quiet, beautiful time with the Lord. And the next thing, I'm in the laundry putting on a load of washing. And I'm thinking, how did I get from my lounge to here? So I know, people, it's easy to be distracted. And I, <coughs> I need this. It helps me to just switch off. I think of these times as being date times with the Lord. They are different to my times of intercession. They are different to pressing in with concerns that I want to lay before the Lord. These are times of intimacy, his heart to my heart. This is not the time for your to-do list. When you're having a date night with your spouse, you don't take your to-do list into the bedroom. Well, I actually seriously hope nobody does. If you do, you might just want to rethink that could turn your marriage around. Um, where was I? Um, <laughs> these verses in Psalm 100 are expanded out in Psalm 95. Now let's turn there. I'm not rushing this this morning. I know I've already been speaking uh, for quite some time, but this is, this is important. This is so important that we get this. This is a word from the Lord that he has given to us personally, and it's important that we actually Get it. 
So I'm not rushing this message. And if you're hanging out for a coffee, we'll just wait upon the Lord because he is better than coffee. I know, I know some of you are struggling with that, but take those thoughts captive and get back here into Psalm 95. Verses 1 to 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music. I find music a very helpful tool for taking me into the presence of the Lord. I shut the back door, I shut the ranch lighter door and I blast it out because the neighbours do not need to hear the joyful noise I am making unto the Lord. But yeah, and you know what? I usually let rip with the hymns because I really love hymns. But please yourself, so long you're singing unto God, you can sing whatever you like and it'll still work. If you don't know what to praise him for, look at verses 3 to 5. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Well, you could stay. In those three verses for hours, just praising him, just with such a grateful heart for what he has done and who he is. And in verses 6 and 7, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. The worship this morning was amazing. I just love Japheth's heart and his ability to take us right into the Holy of Holies, as do our other worship leaders. But this morning was really special. And, and for me, it's like God saying, come on, church, this is what it's like. What This is what it's like. Enter in to worship, and this is what it's like. These are times of intimacy. Worship acknowledges his presence. Worship belongs to God alone. We can be thankful to people, we can praise people, but we must never worship anything or anybody. We worship the Lord our God only. We have been created to worship. It is a natural outflowing of love from our heart to his heart. We worship him for his holiness, for his care, for his love for us for the fact that he is our God and he has made us his child. Don't get hooked up on what to worship him about. Just let allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you in this. Remember, it's not a duty, it's not a task. It's an intimate date, an intimate time of love between you and the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and then from this place of giving love and knowing his love be still and let him share with you what it is he wants to say to you be directed and guided by him does he want you to open your bible and read a passage of scripture or does he want to speak to you let the holy spirit lead this it's not a duty it's not a list of things to tick off it's a date with the Lord.
Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. It is only in the place of stillness that you will truly know God. You can know about him in your busyness, but it is in the stillness that you will truly know him and know that you are known. The question we must take from this message is, what are we personally going to do with the invitation offered to us last Sunday in the form of that vision and that word and what has been repeated here this morning? Are you going to harden your heart and choose to intentionally keep his life-changing presence and power on the other side of the door, drinking from your own limited sources? Or are you going to be warm and welcoming to the Holy Spirit, opening up that door, (coughs) knowing his presence, drawing you deeper and deeper into himself? Before we move to a time of communion, I'm going to pause to make time for you to quietly RSVP, respond to God's invitation to you. Listen to the voice of Jesus calling to each of us this morning. (coughs) Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with the person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Pause for a moment. Your heart to his heart, there is a decision for each of us to make this morning.